So please turn your Bibles to Matthew 14, Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Courage instead of fear. Nowadays, you really need to have courage, not only the strength to face the challenges, but also the strength to face all kinds of assault or attack to our faith. Because, you know, this world has changed so much for the past 30 or 40 years, perhaps. Before, uh, marriage is considered traditionally as between a man and a woman. Now, all kinds of sex, uh, same-sex marriage is introduced right now and illegalized almost all over the world. And immorality is so rampant right now. And as Christians, we are faced with this battle. And perhaps you are not facing this battle right now in your life, but there's some fear that all these things have been created in our hearts because we know that when we share our faith to other, to other people, there's always that um, opportunity or situation where we're going to face attack from other people. Um, sometimes when you talk to people about the good news and tell them about sin, about repentance, about salvation, and only one person, not through religion, then you will face an attack from other religions. And that will cause fear. But fear cannot only be from those things about our faith. Fear can also come from daily challenges in life, like the storms of life. Uh, problems with the health, problems with your finances, problem with everything that goes on in your life. And we know that fear is normal in our life, even as Christians. Sometimes when we are failing God, we fail to serve Him in His kingdom, sometimes we are fearful. Am I going to be in heaven? We doubt our faith. And when we face those storms in our life, sometimes we, just like the disciples that we're going to look at in, the, in our passage this morning, we think that we are just alone in this world and there's nobody who cares about us. But we know that there's someone who cares for us. Even if the whole world would not care for us, there's always one person in our life who cares for us, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. So here in Matthew chapter 14, we see the disciples battling a certain storm. And remember, most of these disciples were fishermen, and they've been through all these storms. And for them to be scared, to be afraid of this particular storm in this passage, so this means that this will be a strange kind of storm. But before we go into the passage, we see that in the first part of this um, chapter, starting in verse 13 until verse 21, the Lord Jesus Christ was feeding 5,000 men. This is the story about the 5,000 men beside women and children who were fed by Jesus Christ and then taught by him that he is the bread of life and nobody else. And we see here that the Lord Jesus Christ, before dealing with the storm of the disciples, we see that Jesus Christ provides for all our needs. These 5,000 men and women, uh, besides women and children, have been with Jesus Christ all day long. And it's been night, and 
we, they know that they're they are hungry. Jesus Christ knew that they're hungry. So he asked his disciples to provide bread and fish for these people. So you see here that the Lord Jesus Christ is not only about our spiritual needs. He is also about our physical needs. And that's why we can reach out to him not only with spiritual matters, but also with physical matters. If we need finances, help with our finances, is the first one that we need to go to. He should not be the last one to be go to. He is not the last resort. So prayer to our Lord Jesus Christ should always be top of our mind. Here in our passage in 22 to 33, we see that the disciples had an opportunity to demonstrate courage. And this courage is not based on their own strength, but this courage is based on their faith, on the one who was even praying for them while they were in the storm. So our main point this morning is, we should courageously follow Jesus Christ even in fearful circumstances. Courageously follow Jesus Christ even in fearful circumstances. So the question is, that's true. We can follow Jesus Christ in a courageous manner despite all the challenges. But how do we do that? So let me show you and share with you three important things. There are three simple things that we know already. But most of the times, the simple things are the ones that we usually forget. And that's why we need to remind ourselves, recall to our hearts, that these three things are very important. So the first thing we see in verses 22 to 26 is, to courageously follow Jesus Christ is to follow God's instructions. And in one word, that means obey. Obey God's command. Obedience is a very important virtue that we need to develop in our life. So starting in verse 22, straightway, okay, take note, when you, talk, when you see the word straightway, because you can only see this word in the King James, the word straightway means immediately. So there's no pause. It's an instant action. And Jesus Christ is always like that, especially in the Gospels. The author of the Gospels, the human writers of the Gospels will always say straightway, especially the book of Mark. The book of Mark uses the word straightway, immediately, or forthright. Those, those are the same words in the English. That means immediately, right away. Jesus constrained his disciples. Remember this after the feeding of the 5,000. After the feeding of the 5,000 men, and providing for their bread and fish, Jesus Christ, what did he do? He constrained his disciples to get into a ship. So the word constrained here is that it's not a gentle pleading. He tells them, okay, you, my disciples, go into the boat. There's no ifs and buts. The only thing that you can tell me is, yes, master. That's what it means there. He constrained his disciples to get into a ship or a boat and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. Then verse 23, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. Most people would think that when Jesus Christ would send these multitudes away, he will go on and be with the disciples. But what did he do? He went to the mountain to pray. And many people would ask, why would he do that? 
he is needed by the disciples. Because as we see later on, there will be a storm. But we see that what Jesus Christ did is more important than being with the disciples at this moment. He knew that he needs to pray to the Lord. Not only for himself, but also for these disciples that are going to be meeting this kind of storm. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Verse 24, But the sheep was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. As I've said a while ago, this storm was a very unusual storm for the fishermen. Because fishermen during that time, they, un they can understand they have encountered all kinds of storms already when they're fishing. So for them to be afraid of this storm, this is very unusual. This is something that is one of a kind, very rare, a very unique kind of storm. And take note, this storm was brought about by nobody else but our Master and Lord Jesus Christ also. Because He knows that's going to happen. He's the one who sends the storm. The same with what's going on in our life. He is the one sending storms in our life. But remember, He sends storms not for us to commit sin or to blame Him, but for us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and to be more like Him. So we see in verse 24, the wind was contrary. It's against their direction. And in the fourth watch, the fourth watch refers to 3 o'clock a.m. to 6 a.m. So that's early morning. Most of us, perhaps especially after this New Year's Eve celebration, we are still sleeping between 3 and 6 a.m. But during that time, they were awake. And they cannot sleep. Of course, you're in the midst of the storm. How can you sleep? Jesus went unto them between 3 and 6 a.m., walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. The word troubled here means they were agitated. They were panicking. Just imagine yourself in the shoes of these disciples. You're in the midst of the storm, in the big sea, and there's nowhere to go. It's so dark. It's between 3 and 6 a.m. What would be your response? I believe most of us will be like the disciples. We'll be agitated. We're panicking. We don't know what to do. So th that's why they said, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. So we see here in this passage from 22 to 26, Jesus Christ, first and foremost, after dismissing the 5,000 people, what did he do? He went to the mountain to pray. What does that tell us? It tells us that Jesus Christ, even though he is called the Son of God, he needed to have time to go alone with the Lord, to get alone with the Lord, to pray. If Jesus Christ needed to pray by himself, not with groups of people, but by himself on the mountain, how much more all of us? This year, I pray and hope that all of us will rejuvenate our prayer life. Okay? I'm saying all of us, because that includes me. The past year, 2022, I've been so busy doing so many other things. Sometimes I miss on praying to the Lord by myself. And you too, you can do that. And that's why we have also Wednesday during the midweek to have a prayer meeting. 
take some time. Join us one of these days to pray with us. That's why we call it prayer meeting. It's not just about talking and talking and talking, but it's all about communicating to the Lord. Not only our petitions, but also our thanksgiving and praises. We need as a church, not only individually, as a, but also as a church, to get alone with our Father. One more thing that we can see from this passage that, remember, it was Jesus who put the disciples into a boat and they encountered a storm. Some people would say, perhaps they are not in God's will. And sometimes people will tell us, perhaps you are ex experiencing all these storms in your life because you are not in the center of God's will. But the disciples, in this case, they are at the very center of God's will. So, if you are in the center of God's will, you can still encounter storms. God can actually lead you into a storm as part of his will and direction for your life. So don't let other people tell you that you are committing a great mistake. Perhaps you have sinned against God, that's why you are in a storm. All people, all Christians, would experience all kinds of storms. You see the Lord Jesus Christ, you see the Apostle Paul doing the missionary journeys. He experienced so much persecution, insults, attacks from his own countrymen. He was shipwrecked several times also in his missionary journeys. But was he in God's will? Of course. The disciples were also in God's will, but they were led into a storm. But the storms of our life that, has, that were brought by the Lord God himself or the Lord Jesus Christ has a great purpose. What was the great purpose of this storm? For them to be refined in their character. Remember, our salvation, our redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ is not for us, just for us to go to heaven, but for us to be more like Christ. To be more like Christ. And that's the pattern that we need to have in our life, especially this year, 2023. These opportunities or storms, I, I'm saying those are opportunities because they are situations that help us in faith building to strengthen our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But think about this. If the disciples say to the Lord Jesus Christ, even though Jesus Christ constrained them to go into a ship, and then they encounter a storm. If they said, no, Lord, we'll just wait for you to finish your prayer, and then you can come with us. They would have missed the opportunity to strengthen their faith in Jesus Christ because they were unwilling to obey his instructions. So don't be fearful. Even if you know that if you obey God in his instructions, you will face some negative consequences or storms in your life. As long as you know that God is telling you to follow him, then do that. Don't ever have a second thought. Follow his will in your life. The apostle Paul was called as the apostle to the Gentiles. And even Peter, even though he was not called the apostle to the Gentiles, 
He was the first one who preached to a Gentile person, Cornelius. Remember Cornelius the centurion? And Jewish people, they, are, they hate the Gentiles, and sometimes they are scared of Gentile people. But these two apostles said, Yes, Lord, you're calling us to go to the Gentiles, then we will follow you. No matter what happens, we're going to follow you. So recall a time when you, were, when you obeyed God and things just got worse. Perhaps that happened already many times in your life. But what is the result? Even though things got worse, but you obeyed God's instructions, what was the result in your life? What was the change in your character? Isn't it that your faith has been built? Your faith became more strong. Here in, in our passage in the, regarding 20 to 26, we see that Jesus was showing his power over nature again. And he did it in a way that the disciples did not expect it. And that's why they were scared. What did he do? He walked on water. That's the first miracle in this story. He walked on water. Nobody did that in the Old Testament or even before Jesus Christ and even after Jesus Christ, although Peter tried to imitate him. Only Jesus Christ walked on water successfully. And that's why when the disciples saw him, even though they knew him, they were scared because they were looking at the circumstances rather than at Jesus Christ. They reacted in a way that is common to all of us when we are in the storm. They were troubled, they were agitated, they were panicking. And why are they agitated? Because they don't, they don't understand what's going on. And isn't that what's happening in our life also when we face a unique situation in our life, a unique storm, something that did not happen in the past? You did not expect that, that something strange and unusual, you don't understand what's happening, especially this year, 2023. What's going to happen? Will there be another pandemic? Because Bill Gates, according to news, said there will be another pandemic. Now we have new prophets coming into this world. Right? So what are we going to say about those people saying that we're going to have a new pandemic? Are we going to be agitated? Or are we going to look at Jesus Christ? Ignore them. If that happens, then that happens. Because we know that if those things happen again, Jesus Christ is still with us. And he still walks on water. He still prays for us. And we should not be scared. The disciples also, lastly, before we go to the second point, the disciples jumped to the wrong conclusion. They thought that Jesus Christ was a ghost. And that's what happens to us. We are confused when we are in trouble, right? Because that's what's going in our mind if we are troubled and agitated and panicking. We are confused, we are scared, we are fearful. We don't understand what's happening in the world. And then we jump to the wrong conclusion. Oh, probably the world is going to end tomorrow. It may happen, it may happen. Or I might die, again. I might die tomorrow or something bad will happen, and so on and so forth. We jump to the wrong conclusion, just like the disciples. 
And that's why it's so beautiful to read the Gospels over and over and over again. Because we see ourselves in the lives of these 12 disciples. Remember, these disciples, they were, they were trained by Jesus Christ, but they were not perfect, just like any one of us. So follow God's instructions so that you can courageously follow Jesus Christ. Secondly, in 27 to 30, keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Verse 27 says, But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. So second word, straightway. Again, that means immediately. Forthright. Instantly. Instead of Jesus Christ telling them anything else, he said, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer means be of good courage. Be strong. But he did not say, rather, be strong because you are so weak. He said, be strong because it is I. You know, in the Greek language, this phrase, it is I, is actually I am. So if you translate it literally from the Greek to, to English, it says, be of good cheer, I am. And remember, when we see those two words, I am, that is a reflection of the Jehovah, the Yahweh, of the Old Testament. Remember, Jesus Christ said, before Abraham was, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light of the world. I am. That's the name of God especially in the Old Testament. And that's what Jesus, uh, Moses was being told by God when Moses asked God, what is your name that I'm going to tell your people, the people of Israel? Just tell them, I am. Remember, the God of the Old Testament is I am. The God of the New Testament is I am. The God of the present day and this year, 2023, is still I am. God never changes. He is the God of the present, the past, the present, and the future. But in all those timelines, God can still say, I am. And then he said, be not afraid. Be strong, be of good cheer, but do not be afraid anymore. So we see here... The Lord Jesus Christ, when he is calming the fears of his disciples, he was not coming like a motivational talker. He did not deliver a pep talk. Because what he said was really from his heart. He wants his disciples to be strong. And he wants each one of us for this year and the years that are coming to be strong. And be not be and be not afraid, because Jesus Christ is still the I am; He never changes. So in verse twenty-eight, Peter answered him and said, "Lord, if it be Thou, bid me come unto Thee on the water." And he said, "Come." And when Peter was come down on the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, "Lord, save me." When Peter said, Lord, he knew that this is Jesus Christ. Now, his fear was turned into courage. 
Not because of his own strength, but because now he sees the Lord who is in control over the forces of nature. That's why he calls Jesus Christ the Lord. Now, I understand that you are not only the Lord of each one of us, but you are also Lord of everything, especially of this storm. Because later on, Jesus Christ would say, still, be still to this, to this storm that's happening in this ocean or this sea. What Jesus Christ said when he said, it is I, be not afraid, and then when Peter said, Lord, Peter knew that this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he's saying Jesus Christ as being Lord is based on who he is, not only what he does. Remember that 5,000 men, besides women and children, they were following Jesus Christ if you look at the, the book of John, they were following Jesus Christ just because of the miracles and because they were satisfied in their stomachs. But they were not following him because of the truth that he was teaching them. But now Peter said, now you are the true Lord. You are not just doing miracles, but now you are manifesting to us who you really are. That you are in control of our storms, you are in control of everything in this world. That's why after saying, Lord, he said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you and I can walk on water. You know, Peter was a rash disciple. He was he always impulsive. He speaks first before he thinks. How many of us are like that? We speak before we think, rather than think before we speak. But in this case, that's good because he did not hesitate. He knew and understand that if Jesus Christ can walk on water, then he, being his disciple, can do that also. Peter was like that. Yes, he was impulsive. He, act, he spoke, uh, he acted before he thought, he, think, he thought, but that's very important also when we are following Jesus Christ. Especially when he commands us to do something, sometimes we don't need to think. If we know that he's the one telling us to do one thing in our life, then we need to act on that by faith. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't think, okay, Lord, you're telling me to do this thing, to serve you in the, in the missions field. Let me think about it. Can, can you give me one year to think about it? I'll pray about it. Sometimes we make it an excuse, right? I'll pray about it, pray about it. I'm going to uh, raise some support and so on and so forth. And give me one year, Lord. But the Lord says, no, now. I said now. Remember Brother Joe, Joe Miraflor? I always remember him uh, of all the missionaries. Remember, he went to Cambodia without anything. He was supposed to come around June or July, but the Lord spoke to his heart to go there between around, around February or March, day a month before that. And he was not able to raise any support, but God spoke to his heart and he went. And what did God do? God provided for all their needs. Until now, the ministry in Cambodia is flourishing. Right now, they're going uh, to another venture, another ministry. So you see, if you follow God's instructions, you may encounter some storms, 
and challenges in life, but if you know that it's God calling you, do it right away because you might lose the opportunity to serve Him. That may be passed on to another person, okay, in cases of some other people. Here we see also in our passage in 27 to 30 that Peter succeeded in walking, okay, at least for a moment, temporarily. Why? Because when he was walking on the water, where was he looking at? He was looking at the Lord. He was looking at the Lord. Fear is no longer in his heart, at least temporarily. His fear of the storm did not dictate his steps, but Jesus did. Because Jesus Christ said, come. Okay? One word, just one word, Jesus Christ said, come. And then Peter went out of the boat right away and walked toward the Lord Jesus Christ. But look at what happened. When he saw, but when he saw the wind boisterous, it was strong. What happened to him? He started to sink, and he was afraid. The moment we glance away from our Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of the storm, that's the time that we're going to sink also, and we will be scared. That's why along the way, even we, if we are in the midst of the storm, we need to keep looking on our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the message in Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 last year? When you're running the race, what is your focus? Your focus is the finish line. And who are you going to see at the end of the finish line? Our Lord Jesus Christ. If you look sideways, if you look at your back, if you look at other competitors, other people doing the marathon, you might stumble. You might stumble. And that may delay your finishing that race. But if you look at Jesus Christ and you ignore everything that could be serving as distractions in your life, including challenges and storms, then you will be able to finish the race. The fear of Peter came back because at this point in time, when he saw the storm, he remembered his circumstances. And on the other hand also, he forgot about the one who called him and enabled him to walk on the water. And that will serve us, not only myself, but all of us in the ministry of this church. If you look at the situation of Richmond, because many times, especially during the summertime, when we uh, spread the good news, we give out tracts, or the business card of the church, Sometimes um, uh, we get weary, we get tired, because always we've been door knocking many times already for the past many years of this church's life. And we have not able to invite many people. Perhaps many people came through internet and some other ways, but not through gospel tracts and door knocking. If we look at those circumstances, those situations, that will really get us weary. That will help us to give up. But if we keep on looking at Jesus Christ, just like what Marty told us a while ago, why don't we continue to do what God is telling us to do, no matter what method it is, 
and let God take care of the result. We should not be scared. I know it's very hard to, to preach the good news right now. We need to think about so many different methods to do that. But the point is that we need to keep our eye on Jesus Christ. We need to trust him always. Because otherwise, if we glance away just a little bit moment from him, then we will start to sink. And we will be scared. And we will get tired of sharing the good news. Peter faltered only for a moment. And I said for a moment because even though he was sinking, he knew what's the next step. When you start to sink, what do you do? You cry out to Jesus Christ. He said, Lord, save me. Three words. Lord, save me. It's not the words of a coward person. It's the words of a courageous person. Because a truly courageous Christian is someone who says, I'm always depending on Christ. I cannot be independent of my Lord. At all times, I need to cry out to him, Lord, save me. Whatever it is that you need to be, saving, to be saved of or out of, you can go to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like Peter. He knew that he was sinking because he faltered for a moment. But he cried out to the Lord Jesus Christ. He had enough faith in Jesus to obey and he had enough faith to step out of the door. I want to emphasize that enough faith because later on, we will see that Jesus Christ will tell his disciples, O oh, you of little faith. Okay? So the third point here, how can we courageously follow Jesus Christ? Trust that God will keep you. After we follow God's instructions, we keep our eye on Jesus Christ, and then we trust and we believe by faith that God will keep us, that God will protect us. So 31, immediately, so third time in this passage, Matthew used the word immediately, but still the same thing, instantly. Jesus stretched forth his hands and caught him, that's Peter, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. In other gospels, it, here, it, it doesn't say here that Jesus Christ spoke, but in the other gospels, he spoke. To, to the storm. And then they that were in the sheep came and worshiped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. The second miracle that happened in their passage was the gradual ceasing of the storm. What was the first miracle? The walking on the water. And the second miracle was the sudden stopping of the storm. Why is it a miracle? Because it's sudden. When Jesus Christ said, Be still, it stopped. Just imagine, one minute ago, the storm was so boisterous, the wind is so violent, and then after just one second, Jesus Christ said, still, it's completely quiet. Can that happen? Usually, storms die down. Gradually, gradually dies down. But in this case, the storm stops right away. The disciples realized that Jesus was far greater than all their fears. And that's why they worship him at the end. But look at this uh, verse 31 again. 
when Peter was sinking, what did Jesus Christ do? Jesus Christ did not say, you falter in your faith, I'm going to ignore you. You learn your lesson. You start sinking until you're probably almost dying, then I'll pull you out. The moment Peter said, Lord, save me, what did Jesus Christ do? He stretched forth out his hand and caught him. Immediate answer to our prayers. Sometimes God will not answer our prayers that instantly. But in this case, it's a matter of life and death. And Jesus Christ stretched forth his hand and caught him right away and saved him from sinking. The same with all of us. When we are at the end of our ropes, sometimes we are like that. We wait for the end of our ropes before we call on the Lord. But you know, God is not a sadistic God. God is not cruel. When we are at the end of our ropes and we really needed his help, he's always there. That's why now we can access the throne of God in time of need. Why? Because we have Jesus Christ, our great master and shepherd, our high priest. He's also praying for us right now. He never stops praying for you. He's our intercessor. Even though sometimes we are not faithful to him, he is always faithful to protect us, to keep us, to deliver us from any circumstance and to protect us from the enemy also. O thou of little faith, Jesus Christ told especially Peter. Little faith, because he has enough faith. He did not say, O you of no faith. What was the little faith? The little faith was that when Jesus Christ commanded him to walk, he was able to step out of the boat. So that's enough faith. God doesn't expect us to have a very mature faith right away. He wants to build our faith gradually. You don't grow from being a baby or an infant to a one-year-old to 20 years old right away. You grow gradually. And that's how we grow also spiritually. That's how we grow in faith. Jesus Christ would use different storms in our life, different situations in our life to continue build up, building up our faith. So that's the difference with the enemy, with Satan. Satan, of course, upon uh, God's permission, would bring us storms also, but those storms are meant to let us stumble into sin. But for God, using storms in our life, for, for all of us to build our faith in Him and Him alone. And because of that, as we see in verse 33, they all worship him. And now they really believe that Jesus Christ is really the Son of God. The same with all of us. When we needed help, let us cry to the Lord, just like Peter. Lord, save me. And in the end, we need to tell him, Lord, you are my master. You are truly the Son of God. We need to continue to worship him. We may not have a great amount of faith, but a little amount of faith is good enough. Like the mustard seed, a small seed, that's good enough rather than having no faith. So in conclusion, 
Let me just remind you again, this first day of the new year, before we go to our communion, that we can courageously follow Jesus Christ because of three things. First and foremost, Jesus knows. Jesus knows each one of us. He is the same God who is omniscient. He knows what's going in your life. He knows your triumphs and your defeats, your victories and failures, because He knows everything about us. Secondly, God is always with us. God is always with you. That's why the other name of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1 is Emmanuel. God is with us. He will never leave you or forsake you. And lastly, God is in control. We can courageously follow Jesus Christ because He is always in control of everything that happens in our life. He is never surprised or shocked. He can never be troubled, agitated, or panicked. So always, we need to keep our eyes on Him and Him alone. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this beautiful passage that perhaps many of us have read and meditated on, and perhaps we have heard some preaching and messages from this, Lord. But we thank you, Lord, that you reminded us that when we obey you, it doesn't mean that they, we will no longer experience storms. But the important thing is that we can always keep our eyes on you because you are always with us and you are always in control. And we can trust you that you will deliver us at the very point of our need, O oh Lord. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for sharing with us this great story of your disciples that we can also apply in our life as your present-day disciples. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.